Welcome, brethren, to another Sabbath service broadcasting live from CGI Burlington and Ottawa. Welcome, everyone. Just doing a sound check at this point. If you could please confirm that you can hear me and you can hear the piano. This is Pastor Adrian. Shabbat Shalom. Thanks very much for the sound confirmation. We'll be starting in just a few moments. And greetings, Sister Vida, all the way from Ghana. Welcome, everyone, to Sabbath Services today. It is the end of week three of our count, the Omer count, Pentecost. We welcome any of the first guests and our returning guests. At this time, we'll open up our services with an opening prayer by Pastor Adrian Davis. Our Heavenly Father, great God Almighty, at this time we come before you to rejoice before you, to offer our gratitude and our praise. We thank you for bringing us all together from all over the world uh, in unity so that we can worship you and we can praise you and we can be taught by you, Father. We thank you for inspiring our brother and your servant, Deacon Jan. Uh, we pray that you'll inspire him in his delivery as you've inspired him in his preparation. And, Father, that you would move us through your Holy Spirit to fully inwardly digest that which you've prepared. We thank you. We pray, Father, for your people all around the world, that you would bless our Sabbath observance and bless our service today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Adrian. At this time, we'll have an opening hymn. It will be on page 88, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms, and the hymn will also be on your screens.
sending him. Now, at this time, we'll have a scripture reading. It'll be taken from Mark 9, verses 17 to 27. It'll be read to us by Brother Eric Dortmund from the Ottawa Congregation. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples, and they said they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. And if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried, and rent him sore, and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch as many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, and lifted him up, and he arose. Thank you, Brother Eric. Uh, just a couple announcements now. This, uh, this week's Bible study will be at 7.30 this Wednesday. The topic is Isaiah 10, and you can find it right here on this website. And followed by the Bible study, there will be a live Q&A. Also, the second Passover is Sunday night, April 25th, after sunset. You can contact one of the pastors or deacons for any questions. Um, now we'll have the intercessory prayers. So just a, a few people on the list. From Violet Campbell, um, she says, Thanks be to our precious God and all the members of CGI who prayed for my husband, Richard Campbell. He had cancer, a kidney removed, and a dis, uh, disembowelment. Thanks be to so many members uh, and our precious God. He was able to stand on his own and walk on Wednesday. His health journey is not over, but this is a great improvement. Thank each and every one of you. From uh, Laurent Bourgeau, he just, uh, he's dealing with some side effects of the medication that uh, he's currently on. Also, um, I remember Brenda Ray, uh, there was an unexpected death of her son. So um, keep her in our prayers as she goes through this tough time. Also, June Deegan fell and fractured her shoulder, and she's in a great deal of pain. So just at this time, we'll ask uh, Pastor Jim French for the intercessory prayer. Holy and loving Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the beautiful Sabbath day that you've given to us. The Sabbath reminds us we look back to the creation. We realize you're the creator God who 
uh, created all. And it's so awesome that we as your children are able to uh, petition you and to come before you, the creator of the universe. This is an intercessory prayer, Father, and which means that we're asking you to intercede. There are uh, people who have uh, who have, have suffered. It's awesome to see the thankfulness of uh, you know the brethren in Kawartha that have had miracles happen, and we know, Father, that you can do miracles. We read of your miracles in the Bible, and we uh, know of the miracles today because we can see them in the healings that you provide for your people. So we thank you for. Uh, the healings that you have provided, but we're asking still that you intercede. There are uh, people in, in pain. There are people that uh, uh, are still suffering, and they followed your direction, Father, to come to the ministry and to have the ministry pray. And we all, Father, as a church, as a family, are um, looking forward to um, the prayer that we give in hope that you will intercede in some lives. And we thank you so much knowing that we can come before you, that you will intervene, and that you do intervene in, in people's lives, that you're not a God that's gone way off. You're a personal God who is really close to us. Uh, we love you, Father. We love that uh, we can come to you and, and offer these prayers to you, and we come to you, Father, expecting that you will deliver some miracles for your people to encourage us and to be a light to the world. So we thank you for this. Through our high priest, the Lamb of God, who shed his blood and gave up his broken bodies that we would be healed. And so we thank you for that through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jim. At this time, we'll have a, uh, a hymn. It'll be from page 227, Faith of Our Fathers, after which we'll have the sermon delivered by Deacon Jan entitled, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief.
Good afternoon, everyone, and happy Sabbath to all of you. And one more time, just thank you for joining us. And I know that in some parts of the world you're joining us. The Sabbath is already over by many hours, but thank you again. Thank you again for being faithful and coming here every Sabbath week, week by week, and just spending this time with us here together. I, w- I would like to begin right away from the scripture. We have many scriptures to cover today, so like, I would like you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 16. Please open your Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 16. As you hear it from uh, Brother Landon today, it's already 21st day or third Sabbath, and in a few hours this third Sabbath will be fully completed as we counting towards the Pentecost. We'll just pass the third week on the count up, on the count up towards the Pentecost. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, speaking about this part where we are right now, about talking about the Feast of Weeks, here in the scriptures we have in verse 9, Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 9, when God says here, you shall count seven weeks for yourself and be, and begin to count the seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the grain. And we know, we, we know we don't have to go there, but from uh, Leviticus chapter 23, it actually says that it needs to be the first day after the weekly Sabbath during the unleavened bread time period, right? And it says here, verse 10, Then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God with a tribute of a freewill offering from your hand when you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. So all this time, all the way starting from Passover, Going all the way with this feast of weeks will be culminated with Pentecost at the end of the fifth, at the end of the 49th day, which we call the feast of weeks. God says here at, at the end of this time, we have to labor. We have to labor hard and prepare ourselves because at the end of the time, we have to offer a gift. And this gift is not mandatory gift. Here it says in the Bible, it's a free gift. It's not a tent. It's not a tithe. It's its free gift. It depends how God is blessing you. And you should reflect these blessings in the offering that you're going to do it at the day of Pentecost. And it says, verse 11, And you shall rejoice before you rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your gates, the strangers and the fatherless and the widow who are among you, at the place where, you, where, where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. Verse 12. And you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and you shall be careful to observe the statutes. So here are the statutes. You should observe it. You should move it forward. But remember, never forget where you came from. You were slaves. You were under the oppressions. You couldn't offer much back then because your God was Pharaoh. It was a strange God. Now you are my people. I am your God, and I'm going to bless you. And you're going to show, we're going to reflect these blessings in your offering when it's come on the, on the Pentecost. So we, we live in an interesting time right now. Because, you know, many people look at this as a Days of Unleavened Bread and a Pentecost like a two separate observance. No, they are not. We live this period of time from the Unleavened Bread to Pentecost. We call it the Feast of Weeks. So this Feast of Weeks is like a bridge. It's bridging these two observances. You know, together, it's holding them together. We can't, you can't have one without the other. The Pentecost is fully dependent on the days of unleavened bread. And there is no Pentecost without the Passover. So they're always interconnected and related to one another. So we require to count. And we don't count like down, we count up. 
from first week to the second week to the third week and on and on, and one day and second day and third day, till we all come and reach this, you know, seven perfect perfect seven Sabbaths, and the next day means the Pentecost. And this is a great spiritual lesson to all of us. You know, as we, we are supposed to move. We're supposed to look forward. As we're in Egypt, we are moving forward now towards the Pentecost. And, you know, we're reaching almost the half point, you know. And as we move forward, I know when many people are stuck and they like to look back. They like to look back to Egypt and we are afraid. We have to move, move forward by faith towards the future that is so unknown to so many of us. We'll talk about this a little bit later. And also during this time, during this time, particular time, in a Hebrew Bible, God performed so many miracles. And not just the little tiny miracles. Huge miracles that shook this world upside down. We've never ever experienced miracles like that. So this period going from the Passover all the way to Pentecost is a period of time with huge miracles. Let me just, let me just remind you, okay, as we go along, let me just remind you how huge God came out through these miracles, okay? Just think about Passover. Let's just start for, for Passover. Forget about whatever happened before Passover. Let's just start from the Passover. What God did on this, you know, on this faithful night of Passover night. Think about it. What a miracle it is that God, that God could make a difference between the Egyptians and God could make a difference between the Israelites. He couldn't just make a difference who is who, but genetically speaking, God knows who are the firstborn of Israelites and who are the firstborns of the Egyptians. Okay? God knows that. Okay? Nothing, nothing comes just without God's attention. Okay? He knows exactly who is the firstborn in a family. Not just in the Israelites, also in the Egyptians, right? He's God of full control. And on top of that, not just about humans, he also knows what is the firstborn animal on either side. Just think about how incredible it is. Now look at Days of Unleavened Bread. Think about the Days of Unleavened Bread. You know, just to get the permission as a slave, without, so to speak, firing a shot, you have your freedom and you're walking away, Right? And all these things of the days of 11th bread was culminated, passing through the Red Sea. Let's go to Exodus chapter 14. Because we need to talk about this time, how important this time was, and what God can do, what kind of miracles God performed during this specific period of time. Just look at an Exodus chapter 14 here, okay? Just refresh our memory, okay? It's still fresh. Just let it refresh it. Exodus chapter 14. And look at verse 19 here. So think about it. This is the continuations, okay? This is the continuations of the miracle, okay? As huge as Passover was and all the other ones, just look at it. Every single verse is a miracle after miracle after miracle, okay? Verse 19. And the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. Wow, what another miracle, right? Verse 20. So it came between the camp of Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Who can do such a thing? It's another incredible, incredible miracle. Look at verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back 
by a strong east wind and went all that night and made the sea into a dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on a dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on the left hand. Think about it. You walk through the sea, like walking through the aquariums that you have on both sides. Huge aquariums. You see the, you see the fish swimming there. Okay? And people walking through all of this thing, through the wall of water on one side and on the other side, and you're stepping on the dry ground, crossing to the other sea, to the other side. What an incredible miracle it is, right? And he says here in verse 25, that's not the end of it. Look at verse 25. Then he took off their chariots, or the other translation can be he bound their chariots, chariot wheels, so they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from face of Israel, for the Lord fights for, far fights for them against the Egyptians. Even they recognize that something is not right here. Okay, there's something strange here. The biggest, the most trained, the most equipped army at that time, they can see that something is not right, that there is God fighting against them. The God of the Israelites is fighting against them. In verse 26, And Moses the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots and on their horsemen, and we know exactly what happened. The entire Egyptian's army was drowned. And just go back here, the same chapter, just read verse 13 here, okay? Just before all of these miracles, miracles after miracle after miracle happened. Verse 13. Look what, what God says to Moses. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. And look at this passage, okay? Just please remember this passage. For the Egyptian whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. You shall see no more forever. This is God's proclamation. What an incredible miracle, brethren. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine just for a second here? Now let's go to, just flip over to the next chapter. Exodus chapter 15. Because it's not over here. Because we finished the days of unleavened bread, it doesn't mean that God, starts, God stopped working all his miracles. This whole time is a spectacular time. So here in verse 15, and again, let's just read three verses here. Uh, verse 23. Now when they came to Marah, they could not find the waters of Marah. They could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was Marah. Verse 24. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And that was just the few days journey, okay? After they crossed the Red Sea, this is the, was the, their response, okay? What shall we drink? And verse 25. So he cried out, cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he cast it into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. Then he made a statue, and then he made a statue and ordinance for them. And there, look what God says. He tested them. And said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Okay. 
I am the Lord who heals you. But there is a test. You have to be obedient. Now, verse 16. As I said, think about it. There is a continuous set of miracles happen, one after another after another, during this period of time. Verse 16, here. So now, right now in the count, as you heard before, we are around now in the second month, and the second month of the Hebrew calendar is the day five. So it's just basically not far away from the second Passover, as you heard during the announcements. We come close to the same time that happened right here in, in Exodus chapter 16. Look at verse 1. Exodus chapter 16, verse 1. And the journey from Elam and all the congregations of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. And verse 2, just the second month on their journey, okay? Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When he said, by the pots of meat, and we ate bread to the full. For he have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with anger. Really? It's amazing, right? To experience so many miracles. And to rebel at the same time. Let's keep down to verse 8 here. Because that's, look what happened here. Um, actually, let's, let's just read verse uh, verse 4 the Lord said to Moses verse 4 behold I will rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day and again that I may test them whether they walk in my laws or not and just keep down to verse 8 here and also Moses said this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full for the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Another spectacular, spectacular miracle, brethren. Right after the end of the Sabbath, they get the quail, the meat to eat, and the next day in the morning, the first day of the week, they got a bread from heaven. Another miracle. Spectacular miracle. Now, let's move to verse seven, uh, chapter 17. Okay? Chapter 17 here, just three verses. Verse 1. In all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted. Therefore, water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us, brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our large livestock with thirst? Again and again. And another miracle and another complaint and another miracle and another complaint. Exodus chapter 19. It's not over, brethren. It's not over. This period, the seven weeks, is, is just... Huge of miracles all over the place. Exodus chapter 19. And again here, time frame, okay? In the third month, okay, we're just in the third month. 
after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of, of, of Sinai. For they had departed from Raphidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and, and come in the wilderness. So Israel camped before the mountain. And just keep down to verse 9, just for time's sake. Verse 9. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that the people might hear when I speak with you, and believe you forever. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. And verse 11, And let them be ready for the third day. For, for on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sign of all the people. You will be able to hear me speak to you directly. You'll be able to hear God's voice. What an incredible miracle. Verse 19, and then the blast of the trumpet sounded long and become louder and louder. And Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Were the people ready? See, God performed the greatest miracles on this planet. And all the people were able to, to see it. No exceptions. From the little ones to the middle ones to the old ones. To men, to women, no exceptions. Every single one were able, not just to see it, to experience it. Okay? What are incredible. Now, would it, would it be great for you and me to experience something like that? Just one miracle. Just one big miracle like that. Just one of them. Wouldn't be? Would be absolutely incredible. But the question is, would such a great miracle transform your faith? Would such a great miracle transform your faith? Would any kind of miracle deepen your faith? Just think about it for a second. Would any miracle deepen your faith in God? So, if you try to answer these questions, okay, just hold on for a second. Before we ask them these questions, okay, we have, we have to go back and check the history first, okay? Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32 here. Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. Okay? How people responded to all these miracles. Now when when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. Okay? Make us gods. Because I guess this God is failing us. Okay? Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For us, for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not, we do not know what has become of him. We are impatient here. And Aaron said to them, Pray the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an, an engraving tool, and made, a, and made a molten calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built the altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. 
And they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offering, and brought peace offerings, and made people sit down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. That's the history. With all these miracles that they were just experienced, every single, every single one of them, with all these miracles able to transform their faith in God. Okay, let me give you just one more. Numbers chapter 14. Okay. Numbers chapter 14 here. Numbers chapter 14, just right before they were about to enter the promised land. Numbers 14, verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only, if only we had died in the, in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? that our wives and children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Look at verse 4. So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Remember the scriptures we read in Exodus chapter 14? Right there, verse 13. Remember the scripture? For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more. It didn't last long. They didn't last long. And now they want to have a leader. And now they want to go back where they came from. As I said before, this is a huge physical and spiritual lesson for all of us. Are we, as we're doing the count up, are we moving closer, closer to Pentecost? Or we just stay at the same place? Or we actually, we are tempted just to go back before how we used to live. Because that back then, it was so much easier. Somebody set the rules for us. Somebody just, you know, gave us what the expectations were. And, you know, we have the same routine every single day. You know, we had food every single day, and life was so much easier. Now we're here in the wilderness. We have absolutely no idea where we're going, why we're here, what is the purpose, what is God leading us. And, you know, and it's hot, you know, and it's horrible, and it's cold during the night. And what's the point of all of it? Are we moving forward? Are we counting up? Or are we counting down? Which directions are we moving? Which directions are we going? Okay. So. Are we. As a believer. Are we different people. Than Israel was back then. And some would say yes. Absolutely we are different people. We have God's Holy Spirit. So. If we would just judge by the fruits. Okay. We would just judge by the fruits. Just looking at all these people who are claiming. They, they, you know, claiming that they have God's Holy Spirit. What work would we see? 
is a serious, serious question. What would we observe? What would we see? Leaders don't agree, then cooperate on anything. People are sick and tired to, you know, whatever disagreement comes, just, you know, like, hey, see ya. I'm going to look for my own congregation. I'm going to find a different leader that's going to take me wherever I want to go. We have God's Holy Spirit, right? We are different people. Oh, our faith, it's so much stronger. If we just had, you know, if we just had one, one such experience as what they had, oh, my faith would be fully up here. That's a lie. That's the history of human, humankind coming straight from your Bible. You are not that different. Go to Hebrew chapter 3. Hebrew chapter 3 here. Just one verse here. Uh, actually, three. Hebrew chapter three. Hebrew chapter three, and verse sixteen. Okay. For who, having heard, rebel? Obviously, Israel, right? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now, with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? Verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. This is serious. How can you not believe seeing so many miracles? How can you not believe it? Okay? John chapter 6. You know, that's the one of the greatest chapter in this gospel, brethren. And, you know, we heard from this chapter a lot. We heard from... Uh, Pastor Watson here speaking to us just a week or weeks before Passover here. Just one verse here. John chapter 6 and verse 30. And you know this so well, right? Christ fed thousands of people. I'm not talking two, three people. Thousands of people, right? And they were following him. And here in verse 30, all they could do, all could they ask was this. Verse 30, John chapter 6, verse 30. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? What do you want me to do? What else you want me to do? So, brethren, is it safe? Is it safe to say that miracles don't produce faith? I would say, based on the scriptures, the way how I study them, I would say it is absolutely true. Miracles never ever produce real faith. 
And you know what's so amazing today? Many people today would love to see some miracles. They would love to see their faith being confirmed. Oh, if I just could heal somebody, oh, my faith would increase. If God would just speak to me during my dreams, or if God would just, you know, talk to me when I walk by myself, and he would just point to me to something, oh, I would fully believe. That's a lie, right? right? If you don't believe right now, no matter what kind of miracles going to throw at you, you would not believe it. And you know what? All these people who are looking for signs and miracles, they will. They will get one. And it's coming. They will get one, a huge one. But this time, this miracle will not come from God. Okay? Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. Just here quickly, break into the context. But here, they'll get a big sign. Okay? A huge sign. And look what's going to happen. And most humanity would follow that sign. When God is sending them a sign, and God is sending them a miracle, they don't want to believe it. They try to do whatever they can to justify their unbeliefs, okay? And here in this case, Revelation chapter 13 and verse 13. And look what happened here. He performed great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, okay? Spectacular. Verse 14. And he deceives those who dwell on earth, on the earth, but those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and left. So there's an instructions, okay? They have to make an image, and all these people make image, and they just, you know, they love, they bound onto this image. But you know what's so important? Look at this sign. Look at this miracle. And verse 15. And he was granted power to give bread to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Think about it. Imagine, if you see today, if you see a statue, okay, a statue of anybody, statue or whatever, and suddenly someone in front of you make this statue that is standing before you alive, and this statue starts speaking to you. Many people who are looking for a sign today will follow something like that. You know why? Because they have no idea what the scripture is all about. And they don't care. So we have to ask a question. What was the purpose of all these miracles? Did God didn't understand how he made us? What was the purpose of all these miracles? So I don't have time to go to single details. But let's just concentrate here quickly about Christ and his miracles. Why God allowed Christ, why he did in front of Christ so many wonderful miracles, okay? Let's go to Hebrew chapter 2. Hebrew chapter 2. We'll see it very quickly here. Hebrew chapter 2. Hebrew chapter 2, verse 1. Pay attention here, okay? What's happening here? Hebrew chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. There's a difference. Not that things what we have seen. Things that we have heard with our ears. Okay? Lest we drift away. Verse 2. For if the word spoken to angels, uh-oh, hold on, the word, God's word, 
spoken through angels, okay, prove steadfast, and every transgression and disobedient receive a just reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken again, spoken, Lord spoke first, preached the gospel of the kingdom, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. He spoke first, and then it was confirmed to us by the miracles. Verse 4, God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Brethren, miracles that Christ did were a sign to confirm that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. That's it. The signs were not then to increase your faith or to produce a faith. All these miracles just came to confirm who Christ was. God the Father made a beautiful, a witness all everywhere around it. He is my son. And he is the Messiah. He is the prophet that you hear about it. And you should know about it. Okay? Not by watching and observing it, but study the word of God. If you have studied the word of God, you would recognize the time of the season. But you missed it. But you missed it. So, John chapter 20. And here in Burlington, we all know the scripture by heart now. As we, you know, we were studying this gospel of John chapter by chapter, line by line, collectively. Every single study would begin with this, with this few verses here. John chapter, two, John chapter 20, verse 30. Okay. And it says, and truly Jesus did many other signs. Verse 30, John chapter 20, verse 30. Many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. For what reasons? But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, number one. That Jesus is the Son of God, number two. And number three, and that believing you might have life in his name. That's it. The purpose of miracles. Now, the same thing exactly happened with the apostles. Peter performed great miracles. Paul performed great miracles. John performed great miracles. Why? Because God validated their apostleship. God validated their apostleship. If you want a scriptures for this, I don't have time to go through all of this, but there are many, but just one. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, or write it down, write it down. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. Exactly the same thing. The purpose of this miracle was not to produce faith among people. The purpose of this miracle was to confirm God can give his approval. He is my disciples. So let me tell you something. If you think that you are an apostle today, then you have to show me your confirmation that comes from Christ or from God. God needs to validate your office. If you think the Jewish apostle. Miracles can draw people's attention. Oh yeah, they did. Okay? And even today, imagine if any one of us could do a great miracles. Oh yeah, we draw people's attention all over the place. But miracles cannot give people's faith. You know, people often say, you know, 
If I don't see it, I won't believe it. Of course, even if you see it, you would never believe it. If it's not in your heart, you'll never believe it. You'll just ignore it. You know, you'll try to use the science to justify it. That's it. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 here is one of the, one of the famous, famous parable of Lazarus and the rich man, rich man. And here, and here, Luke chapter 16, just right at the end of this, not, uh, right, right here at the end of this parable comes the teaching. And actually, let's start from, from verse 28. Luke chapter 16, verse 28. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham has said to him, they have Moses and the prophet. Let them, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham. But if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Okay? But, but he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rises from the dead. And you know what? The greatest the biggest, the most spectacular, you know, miracles that ever happened was resurrections of our Lord. And look what happened. Today, the biblical scholars, the biblical scholars, the believers, they try to justify that actually wasn't a real resurrection of Christ. Miracles. Don't produce faith. So how can you get this faith? You already have the answer. It's in the word of God. You need to hear it. You need to digest it. You need to sort it out. You need to believe it. And you need to act upon it. Just be obedient. And don't try to justify yourself. Other than that, you can ask for what kind of miracles will never ever work. Because you don't want to be obedient. Romans chapter 10. You all know, you all know the scriptures. Romans chapter 10 here. Verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Paul writing here. It says in verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing. And not just any hearing, okay? Not the hearing that you're going to get on CNN or any other stations or, you know, YouTube or Facebook. Not by that. And hearing by the word of God. That's how faith comes. If you don't engage yourself in this kind of a work, in reading it, studying it, hearing it. You can get on your knees and pray to the Father all you want and try to increase your faith. And I can guarantee it will never work. Never work. Let me read you the scripture, the same scripture, but I'm going to read you from New Revised Standard Version. The same scripture, Romans 10, chapter, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. From uh, New Revised Standard Version. So faith comes from what is heard 
And what is heard comes to the word of Christ. It's amazing. It's so simple and yet so difficult. Again, brethren, faith does not come from miracles. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. And it's very interesting, brethren, but in the Hebrew Bible, when the word Hebrew word appears to hear, it's almost the same like when you hear, you obey. You can't just you hear it and you just ignore it. No, whatever you hear, you obey. And then your faith is going to increase. Mark chapter 9. Let's go to the scripture reading that was read today. Mark chapter 9. And we're going to spend a little time there before I finish my message. Mark chapter 9. And here we go to the boy that, you know, Christ produced another spectacular miracle, okay? But just before we go to this text, right before this happened, there's a transfigurations that take place, okay? Mark chapter 9, just one verse here for the sake of time. Mark chapter 9 and verse 7. What that happened? Christ took his three disciples, okay? Peter, James, and John to a mountain. And he transfigures himself, okay? And suddenly, the voice, the audible voice came from heaven. Just like we read in Exodus chapter 19, okay? Again, this time, comes there, okay? And in verse 7, it says this, And a cloud came and overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Of all the things that God could say, just these few simple words, He is my beloved son. Hear him. Be obedient to him, whatever he is telling you. Don't question him. Hear everything that he has to say to you, okay? This is what happened right here. Now, move down now. They come from the mountain. They come from the mountain here in verse 14. And he says, when he came to the disciples, to the rest of the disciples, to the nine of the disciples, okay, he saw a great multitude around them. Huge multitude, not just a few people, great multitude. Around them, around the disciples. Okay, so the people and scribes disputing with them. What they were disputing? We'll find out a little bit later in this text. Verse 15. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. For what? They were so excited that Christ is coming. He's going to teach us again. No. They just want to see a miracle. That's what they expecting. They just want to see another spectacular performance. Like, you know, we go to a hockey game or a basketball game or for some other activities. Okay? They just are spectators. They just want to be entertained. Wow, I just can't wait what's going to happen here. Let me be in the first row. I just want to, I just have to see it. Okay? I just have to be there in the center of all of this. And he asked the scribe, not the disciples. He asked the scribes. What are you discussing with them? Okay. As he's asking the scribes, then 17. Then one of the crowd, then, then one of the crowd answered and said, there's the man. 
We don't have any name whatsoever. Where he is from, how old he is, we have no actually, no idea. And this is, brethren, this is not a parable. This is a true story, okay? This is not a parable of a hidden meaning. This is a real, real, true story. Teacher, I brought, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He forms at, he forms at the mouth gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. And here it comes. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. So if you want to go back to verse 14, what was the disputing going on? Probably the scribe were making fun of the disciples. They said like, wow, you know what? If you're the followers of your Messiah, come on, what are your miracles? Show me what you can do. Okay? So they were dis- disputing here. Verse 19. And he answered him and said. And he answered him and said. O faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. The question here. Why? Why Christ is angry with them? And again. Why he's angry. They are not interested in his teaching. They just want to experience another miracle. That's it. That's why Christ's frustrations come to this point. How long shall I be with you? And you just don't recognize. You don't recognize the sign. You don't see it. How long shall I suffer with you? And he says here in verse 20. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and while foaming at the mouth. And he asking the father. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. We have no idea how old is this boy. But he said from childhood. So maybe, let's say 12 years, 13 years. Or five years, we don't know that. We don't know the names, we don't know anything. We just know, all we know is a true story. And often, verse 22, he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Can you imagine if a child like that? What a burden it would be on mom and dad, trying to take care of a child like that? So this man, he heard about Christ. He heard about what he can do. And he found him. We don't know if he was a local from there. Or he walked, went through a journey. Just to find Christ. But the thing is, he's right here. This father is the middle of the story right here. In the multitude of people. He's in the middle. And his son. Okay. And look what he, look what he says. Look what he asks. He had this faith in him. He knew it. He heard the reports that somebody, you know, he lost any hopes. Now he's looking for Christ. He said, whoever can heal my son is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, right? He found him. He located him. And, you know, yes, he was there. His disciple tried it and didn't work. Maybe he lost his faith. Or maybe he started to doubt. And he's saying this question. To Christ. Look what he said. But. 
if you can do anything, but if, I am not forcing you, I'm not sure, I'm just asking here, but if you can do anything, please have compassion on us and help us. But if you can do anything here, have compassion and help us. Verse 23. And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to whom who believes. Let me read you the same verse here. Verse 23 from a New Revised Standard Version. okay? Because I think it, it put a different spin here. So in New Revised Standard Version it says, Jesus said to him, if you're able, exclamation mark. Okay? If you're able, exclamation mark. And he says, all things can be done to the one who believes. If you're able to, what do you mean by this? If you're able to. You should know it. Then I'm able. Are you able? And immediately, verse 24. And immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. This is incredible. You know, for many years I could never understand this text. I was doubting this father that he was like a double standard here. You know what? I give him a full credit. You know, for all the people that are present at the scenes, from the scribe, from the multitudes, even his disciples, this guy came to his knees. He just realized how empty he is. And he's asking the Lord, I believe, Lord, but you know what? I am so shallow. Please, help my unbelief. All the people, they missed it. I think he got it. He got it. Multitude of people, only one, got it. What a miracle. What a miracle it was. And you know, only this father was able, genuinely, ask for help. So sad. Verse 28. Skip down to verse 28. And when he had come to into, into the house, his disciple asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Just like a context or something here. Why could we not do it this thing? So he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing, by prayer and a fasting. And that's a very interesting response. Because you know what? Where does it say in this text here that Christ actually was engaged in a prayer on a fasting? Or maybe that wasn't for Christ. Maybe that was for 
his disciples. And how do we understand today what does it mean to pray to God on a regular basis? How do we understand what it means to fast? You know, we live such a busy life. Most of the time, we don't have any energy either to fast or to pray. There are exceptions among us, I know. I know people like that. But I'm talking also about myself here. You know, fasting requires a planning. Fasting requires a focus. Fasting requires a dedication for a period of time. Okay? You don't, you don't just get up in the Monday morning and say, oh, you know, I feel so good today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be fasting today. No, we have to make plans. I am not going to work. I will not do this activity. I will not do exercise. I will, you know, reschedule all the other things today. It's just me and my father. And fasting is absolutely impossible without prayer. These two things always go hand in hand. And Pastor Murray gave a sermon on the Day of Atonement last year. I don't know if you remember it or not. And, you know, I know many of you follow us on a regular basis now. But if you're a new one or if you would just want to refresh your memory, I think that the message was entitled, uh, is your soul afflicted? And I've never ever heard a message like that explaining what the fasting is all about. Okay? He said something like this. I'm paraphrasing here, but you can listen to the message. If you just abstain from food and water for 24, for 24 hours period, just if you just, you know, your goal is just to abstain from food and water for 24 hours period, you miss the time. You miss the time. Don't bother. Okay? You miss the time. Fasting, and that's what he said. Fasting means coming under the authority of God. That's what it means. Fasting means coming under the authority of God. Completely. Fasting should be a reflection period. Father, help me. Show me where I'm falling short. Show me my Desire, my sinful desire. Help me to blot it out. Help me to move forward. You communicate with Father. You spend this time one-on-one for a purpose, for a reason. And the last reason of this day is just to think that you abstain from food and water for 24 hours. You just wasted your time. Okay? And you know, speaking here about prayer, right? Speaking about Christ, Christ never prayed before this miracle. Well, if you go, go to John chapter 11, okay? John chapter 11. We have another incredible miracle here, this time with Lazarus. John chapter 11. And verse 41. John chapter 11 and verse 41. They then took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eye and said, and he is praying now, okay? Think about it. But this prayer is not, a, it's not actually a prayer. But just, but just listen. Listen carefully. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this. That they may believe that you sent me. And you see again what Christ is saying here? 
Father did over and over and over again approved his messiahship, confirmed his messiahship. That's what he's praying. Brethren, Christ was way ahead of this time. He exactly communicated with his father what he's going to about to do here. He doesn't just jump in the last moment, in the last second and said, you know what? Now I'm just going to go here and God needs to listen to me what I, what I want to do. Oh, you know what? Healing is just about faith. The more faith you have, the more miracles you'll be able to do. It doesn't work like that. Faith. Faith comes by obedience. Faith comes by total surrender to God. If you are on the same world with God your Father, then, then we can talk about making miracles. Okay? Now, why am I saying all of this thing? Because we live in a world now that is changing so quickly, so fast. Just last week, last week, this week, on Thursday, here we're with the place where we live. Another set of rules just come in. Another, you know, our rights being reduced almost like, you know, now we are totally shut down. You know, no one even knows what the colors, the colors doesn't matter anymore. You're still living this COVID-19, okay? And now, we as a Christians, what are we supposed to do, brethren? As world is changing so quickly, not just technologically, but especially morally, okay? Especially morally. But you know what? This Bible, this word of God. I don't know if you know this, but it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. For thousands of years, it hasn't changed, you know? And even now, at this point, God is not reaching to his prophet and say, you know what? Hey, can somebody here, can I, whom can I go? Whom can I inspire? You know, like, hey, you know what? Pastor Agent, or maybe Pastor Murray, can you go back to Genesis chapter 2? We need to make a little corrections here, okay? When I said that I created man and a woman, let's just say that I created a person. So people can pick and choose whom they want to be. Is that actually what he's saying here? No, God doesn't need to go back and rewrite, okay? He doesn't need to do this. His word is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He doesn't need to change it. Because whatever he's saying, it's perfect. Now we need to study it, and we need to make sure that we truly abide by his word, okay? Now, through all this craziness that's happening right now, right? As you probably listen to some news, news here and there, okay? As you're looking what's happening everywhere around it. Let me give you some scenarios. And let me see when I was, I, I was going to read to you some of the scenarios. I would love to listen, you know? What do you think? What do you mind is going on, okay? But just listen carefully. What would you think? Okay, no matter where you live. No matter where your country you reside, okay? But if you hear something like that, let me just, let me just give you, okay? This is just a, this, this is a scenarios, okay? What would you think if your top general, okay, the chief of the army, you know, come up on a news conference one day and he will say, you know what? I will keep the army at the base because this is too dangerous out there and some soldiers might die. For the good and well-being of my soldiers, I think it's best if we keep everyone safe and healthy. Oh, there is a criminal activity going on at the border, but please, please, no, no, no. Don't call my soldiers, you know. I want them to be safe and sound. Or, you know, they may contract the disease. What would you think about it? What would you think if a doctor or doctors would stop killing patients because, you know what, 
situations out there is too dangerous. And just they don't risk, they don't want to risk their lives. It's just too much work for doctors and nurses. You know what? I'm risking my life. What would you think? Let's go one step further. What would you think if all your church leaders, okay, everywhere across the board, would close down the places of worship and advise people to stay home because your physical health being is way more important than the spiritual well-being? What would you think? See, brethren, soldiers give an oath to protect the country no matter what, right? Doctors give an oath to take care of us, especially when we need them the most. I can't even see my family doctor. Because it's not an emergency. Pastors were ordained to serve and protect no matter what's the risk. Where are they hiding now? Where are the churches? Who will take care of the sheep? We as a sheep, do we even care about it? Brethren, I came from a country that was so horribly abused during the Second World War. Okay? But there were so many courageous priests stood up their ground, opened up their churches, and preached, and preached, and preached no matter what was the risk. And you know what? Thousands of them were executed. Thousands of them were executed. But they followed whatever was their tradition. But they were faithful. People in such a support of the leaders, with all the risks during the war, they attended the churches to the full capacity. What the Germans could do? Just execute everybody? No, they need a free labor too. You see what I mean, brethren? And on top of that, as soon as the war was over, okay, the war only lasted five years. Only. I said only. But that's nothing to, to communism that lasted over 50 years. And the same thing. Many, many clergymen were persecuted. Many clergymen died. But they died in faith, at least in something. If it's not real faith, at least they didn't care. Look what's happening to us right now. Brother, look what's happening. What is our faith? What is our obedience? If we are afraid to host a brother and sister at home because somebody can find us $10,000, what's going to happen down the road next month or next year, let's say, if we come into your home and we find that one Bible on your shelf, we're going to find you $100,000. If you, said, if you have six, seven of different Bibles, you might be fined through, you know, maybe a million dollars. What are you going to do? You're going to go on the streets and burn on your Bibles? Because you're going to obey the authority? We live in crazy times, brethren. Let me tell you one thing. But I'm trying to tell you all this, all this here. We don't need miracles. We don't need miracles to build our faith. What we need is just this book, the Bible, and a complete faith in it. See, our God, we have to keep this thing in mind as we study this word. You know, when 
you know, Pastor Ajan in his Bible study, trying, trying to drive the points home all the time. And Pastor Murray, our God is the God of the covenant. And we just have to find this faith just to believe it. If this God is God of our, of, of the covenant, whatever is written in all these pages, he will perform every single one of them. If he doesn't, he's a liar. That's where our faith should come from. Not based on miracles. Brethren, going a little bit over my time here, let me conclude here. This last final scripture here. I'm going to go to Second Peter. Okay, Second Peter here. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Remember, right? When Peter was on the mountain, and he actually heard this voice. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Listen to him. Obey him. Verse 16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we, we were eyewitness of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we hear this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so, listen to this, verse 19, okay? This was a great miracle. Fantastic miracle, okay? But, not just based on miracles, okay? Verse 19. And so, we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You see? Miracle is one thing, but confirmations from the prophetic words is another. They always go hand in hand, brethren. And let's just finish here. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Brethren, there is so much that we have to learn. There is so much that we have to experience to have this abundant, unbelievable faith, faith that's going to drive us to no matter what's going to happen around us, we'll be not afraid of everybody. But till then, till then, let's just be like the father with his sick son. And don't be afraid to cry out to God, even with your tears, and say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Thank you so much, Deacon Jan. 
this time we'll have a, a closing prayer and then we will have the closing hymn that will be on page 56 entitled, I Know Whom I Have Believed. Dear God, thank you for allowing us to partake of your Sabbath day. We thank you so much for the message that you have delivered to us through your servant. We please pray that we can fully grasp the meaning of this message and to truly understand it and apply it into our lives. We pray that any uh, fellowship that we partake of after, that it will be very, very meaningful and that we can also take lessons from that and apply it into our lives. Father, again, we just thank you so much for allowing us to have this Sabbath day, this day of rest. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.